If your Bibles are open to John chapter 10, the Gospel of John contains seven statements that are unique to this book of the Bible. They are called the seven great I am's. In John chapter 6, he said, I am the bread of life. In John chapter 8, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. In John 10, he said, I am the door. Also in John 10, he said, I am the good shepherd. John chapter 11, he stated, I am the resurrection and the life. In John 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And in John 15, he said, I am the true vine. Now, those were statements that were repeated, and Jesus used the phrase for each of them, I am such and such. When Moses, back in Exodus chapter 3, encountered God for the first time at the burning bush, overwhelmed that he was actually in the presence of God, Moses inquired of him and said, Whom shall I say sent me? What is your name? And God's answer to him was, I am that I am. Rather than saying, my name is Jehovah, my name is Elohim, he said, I am that I am. This refers to the fact God is saying, I am the God who has always been, I am the God who is, and I am the God who always will be. He did not say, I am the God that was. There was a day when I was more powerful. There was a day that I was wiser. No, he said, I am that I am. In John chapter 18, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Judas comes to uh, uh, with the, the, the soldiers from the chief priests and so forth, and, and they come with torches and swords and all of that in the middle of the night to arrest Jesus. The Bible says in John chapter 18 in verse 4, Jesus therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? He didn't stand back or move back. The Bible said he took a step forward. He closed in on them. He wasn't afraid of them. His father could have taken care of them in a heartbeat, in the blink of an eye. The Bible says he went forth and said unto them, whom seek ye? They, they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. Now, that would sound like a logical answer. He wasn't denying that he was Jesus of Nazareth. But in those words, he said, I am he. And when he said that, would you understand that just for a moment, Jesus pulled back his humanity and revealed his divinity. Jesus was all God and all man at the exact same moment. He was not a God. He is the God. And he pulled back the veil of his humanity when they said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am he. And the great I am burst forth. And the Bible says, as, as soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward, fell to the ground. He went forward to meet them. When they heard those words, I am he, they went backward and they just, they fell backwards to the ground. Like a bunch of bowling pins going down, the Lord threw a strike. They were down. What happened? The power of the great I am was displayed before them. He is the I am. The I am is a title or a statement of divine power and authority. It signifies an eternal God 
and that eternal fact given about him. When he says that I am the bread of life, that is power, that is truth, uh, that is hope, that is necessity, that is God providing for man what man can never provide for himself. The bread that we eat in this earth lasts us for a few hours, giving us strength and nutrition, and then we need more. He gives us of himself, I am the bread of life. He said, you eat of me and you've got eternal life. You'll never hunger again. You'll never need a refill. The great I am. In our text this morning, the Savior spends much of this chapter dealing with the subject of shepherds and sheep. And in this text, twice he makes this statement, I am the good shepherd. Verse 11, we read with Brother Tim a moment ago, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Look at verse 14, makes the same statement, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Let's talk for a moment about the good shepherd. Now, this is not the whole sermon today. The title of the sermon is, a good shepherd deserves good sheep. Did you get that? A good shepherd deserves good sheep. He states twice, that's emphasis. When God repeats anything, it's God's way of underlining, highlighting, and shouting out, this is something important. You need to know this. He said, I am the good shepherd. Here's what we know about a good shepherd, the good shepherd. Number one, the good shepherd loves his sheep. He loves his sheep. How many pet owners are in here? How many are attached to your pets? Okay. Every pet he has except one or two crawl and slither and hiss. He calls them baby. Oh, it's all right, honey, when he's got one out. And how many have seen him do that? He's preached a couple sermons with a snake wrapped around him. That is just wrong. I'm just... <laughs> but we, we got attached to them. And when one of our pets passes away, it's sad. He had a, he had a dog named Sydney. Um, and they, they got her when uh, they lived in upstate Michigan. And uh, I was Sydney's grandpa. And uh, I would go over to the house, and uh, at first, when she got to know me, she would bark like crazy when I approached the door. Pretty soon, it's like she could sense me, and she was at that door, and her tail was wagging, and, and she was my constant com companion. Once you, every time I went over there, uh, Sydney got old. She developed cancer. She uh, uh, mostly deaf, mostly blind, and so forth. But somehow, even then, Sydney would know when I came over, and I'd be sitting at dinner, and she would just be beside me, and her head would be on my lap she wasn't she wasn't begging for food because she really couldn't eat that kind of stuff anymore uh, there was just something about it and so forth and then one day I got the call from Tim and Carla uh, that uh, they took her to the vet and they had to they had to put Sydney down because of the cancer and so forth and I cried over a dog thank you <laughs> Some people say, "Amen." Donna says, "Good for you." How many have How many have gone through something? We we gain attached. Uh, understand in the in the in the Bible world, uh, flocks of sheep, especially in Israel, uh, were, were very common to see. Um, and the shepherd spent his entire life with the sheep. They were his source of income. They were valuable to him. But they were more than just all about monetary things. There was a connection that was there. He said, "I know my sheep, and my sheep know me." 
Um, the, the, the shepherd was always there when the, when the sheep was born. Uh, the shepherd learned uh, helped that sheep identify with his voice. And uh, to, to understand the extent of a love that a shepherd has for sheep, notice verse 11 again. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. David spoke of two different occasions when one time a lion attacked his flock. Another time a bear attacked his flock. Formidable, dangerous animals. David put his life on the line and went out there. Uh, in one place he tells us that he actually rescued one of those, those lambs from the jaws of the lion. That's that's. I mean, it, you would say that, that little sheep's a goner, but the shepherd puts himself out in harm's way. Why, those are his sheep. There's a relationship there. And you may or may not understand the relationship between a pet owner and his pet, uh, but it is often very real. And the good shepherd loves his sheep. He said in verse 17 of the same chapter, Therefore doth my father love me, because I laid down my life that I might take it again. He loves his sheep, and the Savior proved that by laying down his life. John 15, verse 13, Jesus said, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. There is no greater love. The love of the Lord for us is more than just a verbal love. There are a lot of people who say, I love you. There are sad situations of spouses, a husband that will say, I love his wife, but there's somebody on the side. Um, and that's, that's just never honest. That's never right. Uh, there's, there's the loving in word and in tongue that 1 John warns about. It says, don't, don't be limited to that. Oh, I, I love you, but I talk bad about you behind your back. I, I love you, but I, I won't help you if you're in need. I love you, but uh, love has no buts behind it at all. Uh, it, it, it is a never-ending strong thing. And God said in his word, yeah, I've loved you with an everlasting love. In Romans chapter 8, Paul exalts and says, what can separate us from the love of Christ? And the answer to that is nothing. Uh, not, not anything that's in the heights, in the depths. Uh, there's nothing in this world that's going to separate us from the love of Christ. You and I need to grab a hold of that truth. Meditate on that truth. Let that truth sink into our soul. Because the devil's a master at convincing us that God doesn't love us anymore. Or that God doesn't love us as much as he loves somebody else. He loves you as much as anyone else because when he died on the cross, he died for you. He, died. he loves you in spite of your past. He loves you in spite of your present. He loves you and it's not going to stop. The good shepherd loves his sheep. And everything we associate with that kind of love is wrapped up in the fact that, yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Don't get over the fact he's a good shepherd. He layeth down his life for his sheep, but he not only loves his sheep, he leads his sheep. We talk about the great I am that Moses was introduced to. The night that God led Israel out of Egypt, God did a, a lot of miracles that night, but one of them was the miraculous appearance of this pillar of cloud by day that turned into a pillar of fire by night. The Bible never tells us the dimensions of that pillar. 
Never says it was so many cubits tall or wide or whatever, but it was massive. You say, how do you know that? Because when the children of Israel were trapped at the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army is bearing down behind them, that pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and came and landed behind them and Pharaoh and his army couldn't get around it or could not get through it. This wasn't some little sliver of cloud that went up. This was a massive expression of the presence of God. And for the next 40 plus years, everywhere Israel went, they could look up and see the pillar of cloud if it was daytime or see that pillar of fire at night. It was always there. They always knew we're supposed to go north or we're supposed to go a little bit east. They always knew, hey, we're supposed to rest and, 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 and pitch our tents here uh, and so forth. Uh, they always had the assurance of God's leadership in their lives. They, there was a security about that. By day, the pillar of cloud gave them shade. In a part of the world, it gets up to 104 to 105 degrees normally during the daytime. And then the same place can get down to near freezing at night. So they had shade in the daytime and they had light in the night. Isn't God a good God? And they, they never worried about, I wonder where we should go. They always had God's leadership. The good shepherd leads his sheep. Look at John chapter 10 and verse 4. And when he, the shepherd, putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. The child of God that's following the Savior never has to worry about the next step. David said, he ordereth my steps aright. Can you keep your place here in John chapter 10 and turn to the 23rd Psalm, please? I'm sure you know where that's at. How many can quote it? I hope you can. The 23rd Psalm, one of the most famous passages uh, in all of the Bible. Even many in the unsaved world are familiar with these words. Verse number one, this Psalm of David. David was a shepherd. He understood the heart of a shepherd, the life of a shepherd, the care that a shepherd has for a sheep. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. The way I care for my flocks, that's the way that God cares for me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He, what's the next word, church? Leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He, next word, church, leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. God's never going to lead you wrong. His name is at stake. His reputation is at stake. And where God leads you is always 100% perfect. David also said, as for God, his way is perfect. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes God leads us through dark times and dark places. But he says, I will fear no evil. I have learned to trust my shepherd so well that he can lead me through the dark places and I don't panic and run. I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The rod is to beat away the predators. The staff is to keep me in line. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of of mine enemies. David had a lot of haters in his life, but he always found out that God took care of him. 
Thou anointest my head with oil. Don't you love this? My cup runneth over. My cup runneth over. I have more than I can handle. More than I can handle. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The shepherd, the good shepherd, loves his sheep. Don't let the devil or anybody else tell you otherwise. The good shepherd leads his sheep. He leads them wisely. He leads them safely. He leads them lovingly. He leads his sheep. There's a third thing. He lavishes his sheep. I like the word lavish. It it, it gives me the idea of an overabundance of something. Uh, Back in John chapter 10, and I am going to come back to the 23rd Psalm in a minute. Now that you've probably already closed that and moved on, but you found it once, I have faith that you can found it again. Could you look at, at verse number 10? The Savior says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. The thief here is Satan. I don't care what he offers you. He's, he's, he may offer you happiness and freedom and all those other things, uh, but his ultimate goal is slavery. His ultimate goal is sorrow. He cometh forth for uh, uh, cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more what? More abundantly. He's a good God. He didn't just say, I am the shepherd. He didn't just say, as Peter did, he is the chief shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. 39 times your Bible repeats that verse Almost in its entirety, the most often repeated verse in the Bible, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is what? He is good. He is a good God. Life may not always be good. People may not always be good. Your health may not always be good. Your finances may not always be good. Politics may not always be good, but God is always good. He does not change, so God is always good, especially to his sheep. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. God wants us to be blessed far more than we want to be blessed. That's really the truth of it. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, he quoted the prophet Isaiah. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. That verse, by the way, is not limited to what, what's waiting us in heaven. Is not heaven going to be awesome? Amen. We were talking about the condition of the roads in Connecticut. Um, I, I've lived here almost 25 years. That one stretch of 84 in Waterbury has been under construction almost the entire time. They'll, they'll declare that it's finished. But it ain't like what Jesus cried on the cross because two or three weeks later, oh, we made a mistake. We're going to rip it all up again. (laughs) I I wish I was part of the crew that was getting paid for that because they've made, they're they're millionaires from that one. Uh, Potholes galore and all that kind of stuff. Uh, We can't even imagine a place like heaven where the streets are paved with gold. I don't think gold has potholes. That's just his streets. That's the wealth of God. In my father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. If you're saved, you've got so much waiting for you in heaven that we don't have human words to describe it. I often stand out in that lobby, look at the picture, the lady. 
whose, whose picture graces the wall. I have it in the front of my Bible, the same, the same picture. She's been there for a little over five years and just getting started. One day with the Lord, it says a thousand years. A thousand years is one day. I can't even imagine the music that she's hearing. I can't even imagine the conversations he's had with Jesus. She's seen the nail prints. I, I read about them. I believe they're there. She's, they're her reality. She has seen her grandfather. She has seen her father. She's met my mother. She's met Moses. She's met David. Can you even imagine? That's what's awaiting us there. But 1 Corinthians 2.9 is not limited, man. Where do you get to heaven someday? It's beyond description. It's awesome. God's talking about the here and now. God said, you don't understand the thoughts that I have towards you. They're thoughts of peace and not of evil. Uh, God wants to bless us. David in the 23rd Psalm, if you can find it again, in the 23rd Psalm, at the very end of it, I have to go back and find it. I thought I wrote it down. Oh, yeah, I did. Um, he said, thou preparest a table, verse 5, for me in the presence of mine enemy. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. God's children don't leave the table hungry. Psalm 103 and verse 5 says in, in, in praising God, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Verse 5 said, one of the reasons that who satisfiest thy mouth with good things. He's a good God. He's a good God. But in Psalm 23, verse 6, David said this, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So he speaks of the present and he also speaks of eternity. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But notice the first part of that. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Here's what David's saying. When I look back at the path that my shepherds led me on, I don't see the cave. I don't see King Saul. I don't hear the lies that were spread about me. I don't see the enemies. I don't even see the failure. Here's what I see. The goodness and mercy of God. Every time I look back, and if you've been saved any length of time, and if you've tried to walk with God, you look back, even in the hard times, you'll find he was there. Anna's song was so sweet this morning. There you are. There you are. Sometimes we don't see him. Sometimes we don't feel his touch. We don't feel his closeness. But he's always there because he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And by the way, God's goodness isn't dependent on our goodness. Amen. And most of us ought to be thanking God and hitting the altar right now with, with tears down our face saying, thank you, God, that you're not holding me against me. None of us got saved because of how good we are. We got saved because we are sinners deserving of, of death in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, but God loved us anyhow. Amen. Every time I go to the Lord in prayer and God answers that prayer, it's never because I've been good. It's always because he's been good in spite of me. Amen. He is a good shepherd. He is a good God. And we need to grab a hold of that. We need to rejoice in that. We need to find security in that. And by the way, you will not find that security out in this world. The world spits its own out, chews them up, and is done with them in a moment's notice. Read about all the people who 
used to be a sports star, who used to be a musical star, used to be a Hollywood star, and then they stumbled, they messed up their lives, and by the way, thousands of them have done so, and Hollywood laughs at them. Hollywood mocks at them, and at one time they were giving them all the awards under the sun. God is not that way. He is a good God. He loves his sheep. He leads his sheep. He lavishes his sheep. What a good God we serve. But our text this morning, as Jesus taught about, I am the good shepherd, he did not just focus on himself. He also talked about his sheep. He describes them. In fact, to the audience he was speaking to, he said, you're not my sheep. If you were my sheep, this conversation would be completely different You are not my sheep. What are his sheep like? First of all, number one, he teaches us that the good sheep know the voice of the shepherd. Verse four, John chapter 10. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them and the sheep follow him. Read the last phrase with me, church. For they know his voice. Verse 5 says, a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of the strangers. The sheep know his voice. I've read some books and articles on the subject of shepherds and sheep, especially there's some great ones uh, centered around the 23rd Psalm, uh, several around John chapter 10. But the teaching is from, and I, 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 don't, I can't say it goes on necessarily the same way today. I think in some places it does. But when a baby lamb is born, the first human voice that it hears is the voice of the shepherd who will take care of that lamb for the rest of his or her life. The shepherd will scoop up that little creature in his arms and he will talk softly and quietly. It is called imprinting, imprinting. That sheep is learning to recognize that one singular voice. And from that point on, it is inbred in him, it's imprinted on him, that is my shepherd. They know that voice. If uh, somebody else talks, the sheep will not respond simply because that's not the voice of their shepherd. This imprinting is a part of the way God established creation. Zebras. When I look at two zebras, they look the same. They're just black and white striped animals. But every zebra in the world has a very unique pattern of stripes. Every one of them. Scientists tell us that when a baby zebra is born, for the first few hours of that baby's life, the mother stands in front of that baby zebra so that the only thing it can see is the stripes, the imprint on its mother. She'll move around if that that little one is moving its head and, and, and shifting its focus so that she is always right in front of it and that imprint is placed on the baby zebra so that even in those vast herds that roam the savanna of Africa, If there's a a stampede or whatever like that, that baby zebra can find its mom because it knows exactly the stripes on its mom. It is unique. It's an amazing thing. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. 
they know my voice. If Trina and I were in a crowded place, if we were separated and she was in one end of the room, I was in the other or whatever, I could always find her. Somebody tell me how. Her laugh. What I wouldn't give to hear that one again. I always knew where she was. It was there. God's voice. His sheep know his voice. Where's his voice found? Where's his voice heard? Right here. The word of God. When we speak, we speak with words. We don't speak with grunts and all of that. Maybe sometime we grunt, but it's the words with which we communicate truth and so forth. The Bible says that the word of God is quick. It is alive. It is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Jesus taught the, the Pharisees, his enemies, he said, the reason you're not receiving my words is because you're not of me. You don't know who I am. You don't believe in me. And because of that, my words are falling on deaf ears and, and you, don't, you don't want them. Um, do you recognize when God's speaking to you? Good sheep do. Good sheep open their Bible and God speaks to them. They hear that voice coming through. Uh, good sheep hear the preaching of God's word, which by the way is ordained by God. And they listen to that. And they, 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 they hear the voice of God. I got saved listening to the preaching of God's word. I got baptized because I listened to the preaching of God's word. Uh, I, I made all the major decisions in my life listening in church to the word of God. When I was a young teenager, maybe saved only a year, I remember one Sunday night my pastor preaching about the dangers of alcohol. And he showed us clearly from the Bible we're not supposed to look on it, uh, let alone partake of that. And, and it was biblical and it was solid. And I still have the Bible where uh, on that night I made it to the altar and I made a promise to God. And I went back to my seat and wrote in my Bible, uh, uh, wrote the date down. And I said, by the grace of God, I will never taste alcohol in my entire life. Amen. By the way, I made a decision that, that probably saved my life. Because that, that's, a, that's a path nobody ought to be going down, saved or lost. It'll destroy you. It destroys everything it touches. I, I made that decision. I, I surrendered to preach in church. I surrendered to start a church in church, listening to the preaching of God's word. I know the voice of God. It resonates in my heart. Are you able to do that? Or do you just shut it off? Oh, I don't like what I'm hearing. Click. Do you understand that our TVs aren't the only thing with a remote? So is our heart. A lot of people shut God off. There's a second quality of a good sheep that goes right along with that. They not only know his voice, they hear his voice. And there's a difference. I, I have the privilege of having three and a half grandchildren living downstairs. Number, number four will make his or her appearance in July. So I got three grandchildren downstairs and and uh, oftentimes, uh, early in the morning, I'll hear Tommy first one up, and uh, he has no idea about, about sound value, and he's got a heavy foot. Boom, boom, boom. It's the jolly green giant walking through the living room. But he'll, he'll plop himself on the couch, and he'll be down, and it'll still be dark, and I'll hear Tommy singing. 
Sometimes, usually Nate is the next one out, and I'll hear uh, Tommy and Nate just carrying on a little conversation. I'll hear them giggling with each other. Uh, then Gwen will come out, and she'll be telling the rest of them what to do and where to sit and how to do everything and, and all of that. Am, am I pretty right? Oh, yeah, she's going to take a special man. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, all that kind of stuff uh, and so forth. But then, then there will be times, though, when, when I'll hear Anna or Rob telling one of them, stop doing that, or I need you to do this. And uh, they know the voice of their mom and dad. They recognize them very, very well, especially his. Uh, it's loud, it's strong, it, it, it shakes the rafters of the house and all of that. But for some reason, even though they know the voice, they don't listen to it. Well, I'm watching something, I'm reading something, I'm playing with something, and they ignore the voice that they know. Notice, if you would, John 10, verse 16. We know that they know his voice, but he says, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold. He's talking about Gentiles. He's talking about us. Them also I must bring, and they shall what? Hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Look at verse number 26. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. That's why they, they, they weren't getting any of the truth he said. My sheep, what is the next word? Hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. She, the sheep not only know the shepherd's voice, it's imprinted in them, but they hear it. James teaches us, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Man, we can hear all kinds of teaching. We can hear instruction from our parents, our, our teachers, our pastors, and, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, but, but knowing and doing are two different things. And this idea of hearing means that I've not just heard the sound of your voice. I've not just heard the formation of your words. I'm taking it to heart. Bible uses the word for it, hearken, hearken. In the book of Revelation, in the letters to the seven churches, seven different times at the end of each letter, the Lord Jesus Christ says, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. How often do we close our ears because the truth is unpleasant? We can see it in the Bible. It's written there in front of us. But we will, we will uh, uh, harden our heart and we will close our ears. I don't want to hear that. I, I know the Bible says, but we're, we're not demonstrating the qualities of a good sheep. Jesus said, my, my sheep not only know my voice, they hear my voice. When Trina and I were in Israel in the year 2000, we were traveling uh, one afternoon, and everywhere you go in Israel, there are flocks of sheep. In downtown Jerusalem, it is not uncommon to see a small flock of sheep going down the street or crossing a street. A lot of people keep them in their backyards. Uh, it, it's just a, it's a common thing, but especially when you get out into the rural areas, you'll see massive flocks of sheep. Well, one afternoon as we were driving down this highway, uh, all of a sudden, the traffic came to a complete stop. And there were two flocks of sheep, one on each side of the highway, and they were crossing at exactly the same point. I don't know if there were signs saying sheep crossing, and everybody knew that's where you have... I, I have no idea what the reasoning was, but they were crossing at the same time. And we're talking uh, dozens and dozens of sheep in each flock. And there they are, and they're just walking along, and they're, they're just crossing. It should have been complete chaos. 
It should have been where the sheep are getting confused and some are getting mixed up with the other flock and turning around. But uh, Sheep are not known for necessarily being the brightest uh, of, of creatures and so on and so forth. But the amazing thing is, it, they, they walked across the street and it's like the other flock wasn't even there. And they went across and everybody ended up with the right shepherd going in the right direction. I'm watching this take place and I'm rather fascinated. Our, our uh, tour guide and driver was a man named uh, uh, Arie Ben David, a born-again Israeli, a man who we would just read the Bible sometimes for hours in that van going from point A to B. And uh, he was teaching us and then say, look, look where you are. And he'd point out landmarks, say, this is where David and Goliath had their battle. And this guy knew his Bible. He said, if, if we were close enough, he said, I would have rolled down the windows of the van or even allowed you because we are stopped to step out of the van and this is what you would hear. As those sheep are going across, the shepherds, the two shepherds, there were other under shepherds with them, but it was the two shepherds were talking the entire time. He said, look, can you see it? Can you get a close enough look? You'll see. And their mouths were moving. They were talking the entire time. The reason those sheep did not get lost the reason those sheep did not get mixed up is because they heard the voice of the shepherd and they knew that's my shepherd. I'm going where he's leading me. Isn't it amazing how the Bible fits together? A good sheep knows the voice of the shepherd. He hears the voice of the shepherd and there's something that goes automatically along with that. Good sheep follow the voice of the shepherd. John 10, 4, when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep, what church? Follow him, for they know his voice. The Bible asks the question, it was actually the Savior in Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, and why call ye me Lord, Lord? I mean, you're making a big deal. Yeah, he's my Lord. Yeah, I'm saved. He said, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? You say I'm your savior, you say I'm born again, but you ignore the parts of the Bible that you don't like. You do your own thing. Jesus said that does, doesn't work. He goes on in that same passage to say, whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them. That's the one that follows him. They hear his voice and follow him. I will show you to whom he is like. He is like unto a man which built an house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not for it was founded upon a rock. He didn't just know what God said, he did what God said. What is it that you know that you don't care? Well, I know the Bible says, but. I know it's in there, but I don't care. I know what, but. He said, the person that hears me and there aren't any buts involved, just does what I say, He's a house built on a rock that's going to withstand every storm that comes its way. But he that heareth and doeth not. Remember, Jesus said, they hear my voice and they follow me. He that heareth and doeth not is like a man without a foundation, built in house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. So we have a good shepherd. There is no doubt about that. None whatsoever. 
He loves his sheep. He leads his sheep. He lavishes upon his sheep because he's a good shepherd. The question today is not, do we have a good shepherd? The question is, does our good shepherd have good sheep? Or are we some of those that the Savior is looking down and saying, why do you even call me Lord, but you ignore me? You say that you're saved, but you don't talk like you are. You don't act like you are. You don't serve like you are. You don't follow me. You've made it known. You don't really care what the Bible says. Why call ye me Lord, Lord? Do not the things that I say. I have a good shepherd. My good shepherd deserves a good sheep. By the way, there aren't anything as, such thing as perfect sheep. That's why he has a rod and he has a staff. But he loves us in spite of our infection, imperfections. Beloved, our Savior deserves good sheep. So the question is, are we? Do we line up with the Bible? Not are we in our own mind? Does our, everything about us, our attitudes and our actions, do they line up with the word of God so that God looks down and said, that's my sheep. That's my sheep. When he calls me Lord, it's true. When she says she's saved, there's no doubt. That's my sheep. With her heads bowed, with her eyes closed, how many can say Pastor Bish?